0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Podcan episode 22. I'm Brendan Patrick joined by Kawa to talk about the biggest weekend in competitive Lorcana to date. We had the Miami PPG tournament that was over 250 players, as well as an invitational from TCG player um, that only had 16 players, but did sport some of the best card game players in the world, including, you know, Magic, Current Reigning Magic World Champion, I believe, Nathan Stoyer, Um, Frank Carson's in the picture. I'm just looking at it now. Uh, and yeah, a lot of data coming out of this, especially in the TCG player, smaller sample size, but I would say the deck that won, very interesting, very atypical deck. I haven't seen anything like it up until now. Um, and Miami. 250 plus players. I mean, that's the real test, right? We we saw we got to see what the metagame would actually look like at a real competitive event. Not that the other events haven't been real, but in terms of size, so we got to see a nice metagame pie, and then see how that translated to top eight, and ultimately what deck won. And I don't think it was too much of a surprise. Uh, there's a lot of you know, Team Ruby Amethyst, Team Wheel Steel, but um, one did eventually win out. We'll dive into that. Kawa, anything to say about the weekend? I know you were at TwitchCon. I was casting a Flesh and Blood tournament a big Flesh and Blood tournament here in Dallas. So uh, a little bit of a break from Lorcana for us on the weekend. I wanted to actually compete in Miami, but uh, wasn't able to because I had the casting gig. My friend Sasha almost went, but wasn't able to go.
1: Um,
0: what, what were you up to? How was, how was TwitchCon for you, Kawa?
1: Yeah, TwitchCon was sick. Uh, I was actually very much the same. Uh, I was such a bummer that it was that exact weekend because I would have loved to have competed to meet up with you and Sasha and just like hang out, play some Lorcana. But I uh, know TwitchCon was really cool. I got to try out the new uh, t- uh, Star Wars TCG game, Star Wars Unlimited. So that was actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bit of a game demo there. We got some promo cards. But uh, we still, I mean, listen, I still played some Lorcana uh, Myself, my partner, we played loads of it just to pass the time. We had a nine-hour layover in LAX. So we said, right, let's just <laughs> let's just jam some games. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was nice, you know. I I wasn't like uh, hyper focused on it, but it was nice to kind of step back and, and play the game to kind of pass the time. And we, we found some some cool decks and had had a good time. But um,
0: yeah, I mean, I,
1: how was how was Dallas?
0: It was. I mean, it was fun. I mean, I've done quite a few of these Flesh and Blood tournaments. Um, it, we have the World Championships here in Barcelona in like two to three weeks, so it's cool leading up to that event. Um, ultimately, a good weekend. But I I don't I don't have you been to like a card game like a big card game multi day tournament before? Cool. not a huge one though okay, no, yeah, it's it's interesting so they're pretty high speed. They tend to last 12 to 15 hours. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, Miami was similar. So you get this sort of like post event depression after because <laughs> you, you just go, go, go. Like You're um, just going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, it, it's insane. The amount of socialization you get is just overwhelming. So like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is just like, uh, what is real life? So yeah, I'm definitely still got a, got a case of that, but um, yeah, flesh and blood kind of par for the course, been doing that for a few years and it, it was overall Pretty good. I want to tangent slightly before we talk about Lokana, so because uh, I want to ask you about Star Wars, because I, I had a few friends go to TwitchCon as well, and they talked to me about Star Wars. I pretty much so Star Wars sounds really sounds cool to me because it's it's, it's an I go you go kind of game, um, mm-hmm. similar to sort of like Terra a bit, not with the resource banking, but my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. Um, really quick action, action. I've actually heard overwhelmingly like, uh, lukewarm and negative things. That being said, you are playing starter decks. They are starter decks. And if I played starter deck, is my favorite TCG right now. And if mm-hmm. you asked me my opinion of Lorcana when, after I played starter decks, I would have told you it was a hot pile of garbage, but that wasn't, that wasn't the entire story It ended up being fantastic. So what was your opinion? Cause I know you're like, you're definitely biased towards saying the game is good. Cause you're a bit of a star Wars fan. What was your, what were your thoughts on the game?
1: honestly I found it to be interesting but uh I, I first of all I don't think there was any actual staff there showing us how to play which was a big bummer because uh like as a card gamer I want to know as many interactions as possible like I want to ask questions during a demo right and uh, these people didn't really have the answer for very basic things that mm-hmm. I asked um and then uh I mean for the most part yeah the game was really interesting the initiative uh like token or system was kind of interesting but again like that wasn't properly explained to us so like That's the one thing I hate is when you go into a new card game, right? I want to know all the rules. I want to know, okay, what this does, what that does. And a lot of the demos I've been to, it was the same for Lorcana when I went to Gamescom. Like, they try and shorten it down because they've got a lot of people that want to play the game. Mm -hmm. Right? So, so for example, Lorcana, it's like, oh, we'll just quest to 10 or whatever. But in this game, they were like, uh, oh, yeah, this, like, certain um, keyword or interaction, just forget about it. I'm (laughs) like, like, what? So, So, the best example I can give is, again, this is a huge tangent, but, like, um, there was a certain 3-cost card, I think it was a a 3-cost a card that had a uh, 2 attack and 1 health, right? And it read, it read something like, uh, give another uh, friendly unit um, 2 experience points. I'm like, okay, what are experience points? And they're like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that. I'm like, but the card is clearly understated. I'm like, I'm not just going to play a 3-2 or a 3-cost 2-1 just because, right? So I, I want to know, like, that that bummed me out a little bit, but... Uh, for the most part it was really interesting. I do like the whole kind of leader interaction where you've got like your kind of your main hero, your leader mm-hmm. and you can flip it into play. That's kind of cool. But I would need to play the game a little bit more. And, you know, all I'll say is I'm glad that the game's not coming out till March because I will need a like a good more amount of time to kind of really get my judgment on the game. So if you ask me straight up what was my first impression? I thought it was okay but it's honestly for me at least it's nothing to write home about. it but maybe i need to try the game a little bit more yeah i'm, I'm super keen to see that system in action in a paper tcg it's
0: probably existed before but it's just not in any major tcg that exists right now um What's funny is like the I, I really like Lorcana right now, but is <laughs> very asymmetric in the sense that like I take my turn, you sit there, do absolutely nothing, theoretically, right? You you should be thinking about your turn, considering the playlines yeah, yeah. I can take, etc. But you actually have no game actions and no no agency on my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Lorcana's still quick. You know, it's generally pretty quick and and there's not too many game actions that a singular player can take. Well, if you look at something like pokemon tcg which i haven't played a lot i've only looked at from afar pokemon is like Lorcana, but you know zoomed in 2000 years in the future which is like (laughs) they take like 100 game actions and it's like 15 minutes for a turn and they're like Mm -hmm. drawing searching their deck etc and you do have to sit there for a while so i wonder if Lorcana will get get towards that where there's like too many game actions being taken you have to wait too long because like right now i uh, you know if outside of my game experience, if you asked me what I thought about my turn, your turn kind of systems where you just got to wait, I would say they were bad, but for some reason it feels okay in Lorcana.
1: And I felt, I've always felt engaged playing the game. It's interesting I prefer that, that system. Goes. Personally, I, I like the I go you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's for me playing so much Hearthstone, right? That well, there wasn't like let's too Let's many clarify too. Like... I
0: go you go. So there's I go you go and Locana, which is your turn, my turn, and then there's mm-hmm. also Star Wars, which is I take one action, you take one action. So that, yes, yeah. yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which one do you prefer? Yeah. uh I think I prefer the turns over the actions, honestly. But it's interesting, right? Like, it's just, but I would I would naturally say that because that's the thing that I'm probably the most used to, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like, I want to explore the the one action per turn. And when we were doing it, it made things really interesting because it was like, okay, I can kind of attack this, but that's all I can do. And I have to play a card. Like, uh, um, it definitely, like, uh, elevates a, a game and takes it to in a different direction. But naturally, I like what I'm comfortable with, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But always open to exploring new stuff.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Miami. So I did have the number slightly wrong. It's actually 237 players. It looks like they registered decklist. I know 264 plus signed up, um, but mm. a lot of people, you know, either won't attend on the day or, you know, something like that. It happens every single time. So 237 sure. total. Let's look at that. Day one metagame breakdown, um, which is fascinating. So we had a clean split on the top two decks. So Amber Steel, Ruby Amethyst, both representing 28% of the metagame. By the way, for everything we talk about in this episode, there will be links in the description uh, for the article on Report for Miami, as well as the TCG player invitation. You can find graphics, deck lists, all that stuff, um, et cetera. But yeah, Amber, Steel, Ruby, Amethyst, by far the most represented decks at 67 for Amber, Steel, 66 for Ruby, Amethyst, both representing 28% of that metagame. And then in number three comes in Emerald Amethyst uh, with 24 players at 10%. So pretty big drop off. off We see it's that third deck. Um, And then we go down into sort of (laughs) everything else at like 5% or less, which, you know, the next deck is technically Amber Sapphire, but interchangeable with anything. We see like 10 players on that and other, um, others representing 17% of the metagame. It's actually kind of, kind of a lot to be honest. So 39 players on not the sort of first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, eight archetypes, which that's actually really interesting. So a lot of people sort of showed up with their own little bruise. Um, it looks like with less popular combinations and but we did see Amber, Steel, Ruby, this Because uh, the biggest question about this game, not the biggest question, but uh, a, a narrative that you know we we had sort of been uh, coming back to was that if you look at the data from Pixelborn, it was very, very 50-50 standard deviation of one on win rates and everything looked to be super balanced. But the idea was that if you went into a higher level tournament like this with, with this many players, that you would see a clear cut in the metagame. And the decks that we thought would make it to the top ended up doing so with Amber, Steel, most likely, the wheel steel list being the most popular list here, and ruby amethyst making it to the top there. So, very interesting. Uh, I could have, I, I would not have been surprised if in this metagame the third deck was also quite popular. So, it ended up being Emerald Amethyst, but you know, honestly, could have been anything, could have been Amber Sapphire, uh, anything like that. But it looks like the two best decks in the metagame right now are Amber Steel, Ruby Amethyst, both represented on day one. In the metagame breakdown and in top eight which we'll get to so yep. they actually performed as well well so let's talk about let's talk about first place carl first place of this tournament is wheel steel This is a pretty standard wheel steel list pretty standard to be honest um the first place player is jose uh jose f i don't know if i could pronounce that last name if i did i'd probably do it a disservice and yeah, uh the like I said links will be in the descriptions, but this is stock standard. I mean, this is exactly what I've seen at my locals people playing pretty much the this exact 60 cards and I you know, I'm not surprised the power level is there. Wheel still is there. I think that Amber Steel got a bad rap after it was a uh, it was first popularized as a mid-range deck and then I think that you know, people were Kind of huffing, huffing some copium on that mid-range deck's ability to beat Ruby Amethyst and it's sort of its ability to I don't know have agency in the mirror, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But then we saw the new innovation with Wheel Steel, which is Wheel Steel for people who don't know, is effectively trying to play Whole New World on turn three. So your your best draws are basically Captain Hook, turn one, turn two, you play lantern, and turn three, uh, you try to ink, get as many cards out of your hand, uh, ink them, you know, play, maybe play another one drop if you can, if you have the resource for it then you're going to shift captain hook on the hook sing whole new world on turn three you will draw effectively six to seven cards your opponent will probably draw you know because of how many the discarding five five like uh sorry two they'll probably draw like two cards they'll probably have five cards in hand probably net two cards call it you said this was your this was your bet to win the tournament mm-hmm. and uh i think it was a pretty safe bet i think it was to say i think it was uh you know looking at looking towards miami there was basically in my opinion two decks to pick from and i would have sided on the more proactive one uh if i I was a betting man but what are your what are your impressions after seeing this actually take down the entire thing
1: yeah i mean i think it does exactly what it wants it to do uh i'm curious to say so you're saying this is pretty much the stock list Mm -hmm. I, i could be wrong but i don't remember seeing as little like so so few Captain Hooks opposed to uh so many Aerials. Now I actually like this change. I think having more Aerials in this deck is just more consistent, right? Because you should be drawing into your your songs and, and getting those uh those cards more consistently. I also like it because it means that on turn four potentially you can sing uh Holy World rather than like you know the the whole idea of trying to get your Captain Hook shifting into it and singing it. It's great, but like how often it works mm-hmm. compared to something like Aerial it does not work as often. So it's definitely uh, I like I like lock. this this version. Yeah, I like this version a lot. Um, yeah, I think that this version actually is probably the most standard
0: version of it. Mm. Um, this is the version I literally have sleeved up on my kitchen table. Uh, maybe not the exact breakdown of like three Rapunzel, two Fire the Cannons, but yeah, definitely two Captain Hooks. So the reason is Captain Hook is actually a pretty bad card, uh, but mm. it gives you that equity to do the turn three whole new world. That's how you do turn three whole new world is the Captain Hook. But if this deck has to turn four whole new world or whole new world off of Stitch Carefree Surfer or whole new world off of Ariel, it's not the high roll, but it's totally serviceable. Um, And Captain Hook... I mean, yeah, I mean Captain Hook is in there for pretty much for pretty much that reason. I saw the, I see this list, you know, opted to keep in the beast to have some sort of item destruction. I've saw some list cut that out. Fire the cannons to give it a better mat. you know, a better matchup in the aggro. And then yeah, everything is very, very stock standard. So uh congratulations. I mean congratulations to Jose. It's a huge win. This is like the first mm. big tournament in Lorcana. Oh, was it again? Like two cases or something like that, my man's got? Like <laughs> I don't even know. Which I mean, <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I, yeah, I remember it being product based. And it, mm. it's funny because product based is usually like very underwhelming for a tournament mm. prize support. But in a game like Lorcana, it's like the yeah, app, <laughs> it's actually so valuable.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see as we won't, we probably won't have any more tournaments until set two is like fully spoiled and comes out and is probably live on Pixelborn, people testing it. But, um, you know, looking back, I guess in the history books, we'll steal uh, here, will go down. In history as the best deck in the yeah. format i think it beats out ruby amethyst Th- this deck by the way uh wheel Stealer, Ambrose steel uh, whole new world this deck does have a good matchup in ruby amethyst it's it's a bit play draw like i think ruby amethyst has a lot more equity on play and this this thing can blow up ruby amethyst because of turn three whole new world uh with captain hook on t- if, it, if it is on the play but that being said in terms of like decks in the metagame that have decent matchups uh, across the field and can actually beat ruby amethyst this is definitely one of them and i
1: think that's why we see it rise to the top here yeah for sure all right so within the rest of top eight we have if i'm not mistaken i think there was only two ruby amethysts that made it to top eight. a lot of wheel steel i think if i'm just counting here one two three four it's five four. maybe it's four, so the, the four, you're
0: okay. looking at top sixteen because it, yeah, it's kind of written. The article is oh, sure, written sure. In, a, in a interesting way, but yeah, we actually had four wheel steel, two ruby amethyst. we're gonna break it down archetypically, <laughs> oh, yeah, four wheel steel, two ruby amethyst, one uh, amber, or sorry, steel emerald. I remember yep. my color names, and then one sapphire emerald as well in top eight. Yeah, so let's talk about the ruby amethyst because ruby amethyst is a deck where. Uh, it got second place. The the deck building decisions, you know, the community definitely has different ideas of how to build this deck. Uh, I would say this deck is you have a lot more. It's a lot more controversial, and uh, there's a lot more deck building expression player to player than there is something in like Wheel Steel. Ruby Amethyst. This is Gabriel Torres. They won with a sort of more traditional list. I haven't I wish that this showed the actual number of cards here, because I would love I don't feel I can't really count it up on the fly. Yeah, yeah. But um I will say they do have the magic broom, so for magic broom that's critical. Two small Aladdin, so two shiftable Aladdin. Uh two jetsum, two goofy, does have access to Queen. Other than that, this is a very, very standard list. One thing I will say, uh, also is Mickey Mouse. So it has that ability to, the to um kind of infinite loop it doesn't have befuddle so in order to infinite loop itself it needs to probably kill some magic brooms in the end game. um let be prepared or something like that uh, I digress uh it does not have access a, to cauldron though sorry to interrupt you it
1: is a 60 card I just did some counting kind of mm-hmm. well yeah uh, that 90.
0: was quick maths right there <laughs> um no cauldron no cauldron so two yeah, pa- really watch, two magic mirror and one shield of virtue
1: very, yeah. very interesting. and if you actually if you look down at the other one that made top eight it's a. Uh, it's a little bit more sprawled out. It's actually not in, like, the uh, the Dreamborn format. But I can see two uh, Mickey Mouse Brave Little Tailors. I can see Jafar. I can see... Uh, I guess the rest of it's actually pretty standard. But, yeah, like, those it's... are two cards that I really did not think. I, I know you experimented with Jafar early on in the list, and you quickly subbed it out. But the Mickey Mouse Brave Little Tailor, like, I'm surprised to see that actually made it into a list.
0: Um, maybe it was a meta call. So this is Milton. Um... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, one of the locals I play at is called Milton's Games. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, this is actually this is a Ruby Amethyst evasive list, almost card for card. Uh, it does have the addition of Jafar and two queens, so it has- Oh, sorry, two- it's,
1: it's Jerry, just to confirm it's Jerry Bishop, not Milton. Oh, it is? Okay, it's written yep. like that, got it. I didn't know if yep. it was top or bottom, but
0: yeah, so it has- This is Ruby Amethyst evasives, uh, mm. pretty much card for card the list that we post on this channel, except that it has access to two queen, three Jafar, and then two- Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor at the top end, which I could see being a, I some the reason why I'm not a fan of Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor is it gives your opponent the ability to trade up. So sure. if your opponent dragonfires a Goofy or a Pongo, they trade down uh, effectively because they're using a five cost uninkable to kill that. Um, with You're just giving them better value on clearing. But that being said, if, if a lot of people are playing Ruby Amethyst Evasives, if you land Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor, it will trade with. it will. Tr- tr- Trade with every evasive character in the game. Like it will two for one them if you're actually doing creature combat. So it could be a medical. I mean, this is other than that. I mean, it is a it is it is absolutely an evasive list with three Pongo, three Goofy, and two Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor. It just doesn't have access to uh, to Jetson, but Other than that, pretty standard. Jafar's interesting. Yeah. Queen Queen is a card that I'm definitely not a fan of. Or. And I would like to hear the thesis on it because it has an ability that I would love to resolve multiple times, but it just never really happens. And then Jafar is just, Jafar is a big butt that quests for two. I would say this list also, it, it does have the three guests on. Um, but I was, and two Rafiki. So it does seem like the the early game is a, a little bit soft to to aggro and Emerald. Um, you know, Moyn and I were talking a lot about do we actually need the the little Aladdin? Should we have little else in? Like, because honestly, it feels like the worst matchup for this deck um, is Emerald decks, very aggressive Emerald decks, Emerald mm-hmm. Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, and then obviously Wheel Steel if they if they high roll you on turn three. But if outside of that, yeah, pretty powerful. Let's talk about the non Ruby Amethyst, non Wheel Steel decks because let me just verify real quick. Yeah, it does look like every Amber Steel deck that made it in is a Wheel Steel deck so they all have access to a whole new world they all have for the most part they all have access to the captain hooks that they can shift they are a bit different in build some have access to more target removal in the form of smash um some have access to a lower curve in terms of the uninkable lilo the quest for two that you can play for one other than that it is they are definitely all wheel steel deck so that is mm-hmm. the deck if you are still playing mid-range Um, The old mid-range version of Amber Steel, I think that you are... uh, Change
1: it up. Yeah, you are a
0: couple weeks behind. So, maybe not the deck to
1: play. Oh, wow. Raven will be very happy to see this Amber Steel (laughs) list. Yeah, so
0: you're more familiar with Raven's list than I am probably off the top of your head. How Mm. does this compare to the list that he was playing? Was he playing Uh, Mickey Mouse, uh, the Musketeer? Quite
1: different. Quite Mm. different. So, there's no Mickey Mouse, Musketeer. There there was a Genie in the original build, but he took the Genie out. Uh, No Hercules either, so... It seems like the it's kind of an interesting idea that you want to protect your high questing cards behind like a few bodyguard targets. Um I know there was a tink again, he did sub the the Tinkerbell out, but I think the general idea is kind of the this the same here. I think just the only difference being is you have a few bodyguard cards that can protect your uh cards of quest for a lot like <laughs> your Hatter, your Cusco. I think Genie is so, is actually like such a good card. Um but again, it also, like, anytime I face Genie in a tournament setting, it messed me up because of the actual matchup I was facing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, yeah. okay, like, think 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 of Genie against Ruby Amethyst, and if you don't have your removal and you just have, like, your your Pongo and your Goofy, like, it just absolutely wrecks it. It just absolutely destroys it, right? And, and it bounces something back. So I found that really good because the idea of Genie is, uh, it's that card that, okay, I'm just going to be questing, questing, questing. I play Genie to delay you even more to allow me to quest and just essentially win the game right it just keeps um keeps your opponent from being able to get rid of your cards essentially but yeah i'm really impressed with this list yes. how do you feel about the bodyguards so and the I, aladdin as well the aladdin's an interesting pick
0: i just want to say for people listening this is roger para this is a emerald mm-hmm. steel list uh just to clarify and yeah it does i mean look looking from a high level it looks to be an aggro deck a very aggressive mm-hmm. deck i mean has a very low curve that has access to bodyguards to sort of try to defend um, those higher higher quest characters, which is honestly most of them. I mean, it's like the Steel Aladdin, the two cost, two, mm-hmm. one, that quest for two. Um, how do I feel about the bodyguards? Honestly, this is a list that I have not played much or actually played against at all. Uh, I played against it on Pixaborn, of course, but it felt pretty soft to ruby amethyst evasives any mm. emerald deck is it, it has a decent matchup into ruby amethyst i think because of alad or because of Cusco, just such a powerful mm-hmm. card and yeah but i will say that these evasive characters in the form of tinkerbell and genie they were a lot better versus older versions of ruby amethyst than the sure. sort of the more modern ones because the more modern ones just can inherently do combat with it uh does was your was raven playing whole new world uh, yes, he was. Okay, so three whole new mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty stocks. St- I'm less interested in how this deck plays in the Ruby Amethyst because any hyper aggressive deck that quests for a lot and is effectively Emerald is going to be decent into Ruby Amethyst. I'm more interested in how this does in the Agro Mirror because we, you know, the the second most represented deck was actually the, the probably one of the worst converting decks in the form of Emerald Amethyst. So it was mm-hmm. the third most played deck and put no players in top eight. Which is something to note, by the way, um, because I know a lot of people are high on that deck. Looks like it, it is probably doesn't have a, doesn't have too much space in the metagame against um, a metagame dominated by control decks, Ruby Amethyst, and a metagame dominated by what looks to be just a more powerful aggro deck in the form of Wheel Steel. So mm-hmm. uh, important to note, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't have too much to say on this. Comment. It's a, It's an archetype that I haven't played too much. I put one player into top eight. Um, I'm less interested on how good it is into Ruby Amethyst, and more on how uh,
1: how good its matchup spread is into a, a like a larger meta game, right? For sure. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see how it fares because, like, as a Tinkerbell about has the, the the smash and stuff, but like even in a yeah, like against Emerald Amethyst, I'd be really curious to see how how this deck fares yeah i mean it, it just looks like a solid deck it, it looks like it does it, it does good stuff <laughs> pretty much like it looks like it can get there and clearly it, it it got there for for roger you know getting top eight in a tournament like this with the deck that is i i would say like i mean i would call this an off meta deck like it's a fine deck but i'd still mm. call it off meta because it's not one of the top ones right like i if i was roger i'd be very happy
0: yeah, and I For actually, sure. I, I just noticed that we got the first player. They that, Sorry, the article is just written in a very bizarre way in terms of like where it actually has the deck lists and player names, but the first place player was Real Steel, like we said, but it wasn't Gabriel yep. Torres. It was, oh, no, it was Jose. So no, you, a, said, Jose. you yeah. said Jose. Yeah. One thing I didn't point out that Jose has access to is three Hades. So Hades is a very, mm. very good card against Ruby Amethyst. Um, it, this deck has so much, like, such an ability to go under the ruby amethyst matchup but then it has if it has access to hades it has sort of this sort of it has a bit of inevitability in the end game because ruby amethyst can't do can't do anything against the hades loop so that doesn't um it's cool to see that actually win out because that is good tech i think for the field Mm -hmm. if if you can put those cards into your deck and still win the mirror and still win against aggro decks you're in a great spot because ruby amethyst really has a hard time beating that card specifically all right last deck here um actually what well, this isn't a top 8 deck this is top 16 but i'm assuming it's like a it's ninth i don't know if they have it in any any order here but this is just a deck we talked a lot about which is emerald sapphire deck is very very good <laughs> into ruby amethyst uh it's it's very effective this is actually a pr- a pretty interesting list there is no eye of the fates um it doesn't have access to a lot of ramp. But ultimately, if you thought that the metagame was going to be dominated by Ruby Amethyst, this would probably have been a good pick. That being said, the metagame was dominated equally by Ruby Amethyst and Steel Amber. And I'm assuming that this does not have a great matchup into Wheel Steel or Steel Amber because they have some, they have access to a lot of removal in the form of grab your swords, yep. um, you know, fire the cannon, smash, etc. And they have way better draw engines than you. But yeah, this is uh this is a decent aggro deck. I want to ask you, Kawa, I think the probably the biggest question to ask is that it's funny because the the narrative is definitely Ruby, Amethyst, uh Wheel Steel, or Ambrose Steel. But the third most played deck, Emerald Amethyst, 24 players, mm. 10%, but no players sent the top eight. How do you feel about that list specifically? Is it potentially overrated? I'm trying to see if they, did they put anybody in the top? They put nobody in top 16. Mm, no,
1: nobody in top 16 there. Wow, either. that's a
0: pretty terrible showing, to be honest. So talk to yeah. me about why that happened.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's really interesting because I've faced that matchup a little bit uh, in tournaments. And like you said, I feel like if there was that much wheel steel, I think that deck just absolutely shits on Emerald Amethyst. If I'm being honest, with all of the removal tools that is available to, like the grab Your swords, the tinks, uh, the smashes, and stuff like that, I think it just gets there. And I mean, at the end of the day, it is it is a control deck, right? Like your only major I think it's problem an is
0: actually emerald amethyst. I think it's an aggro deck that has
1: access to card draw. At least that's how I saw it pitched. Em- emerald amethyst. Yeah. Uh, you mean so... you mean
0: amber? steel? No, green, 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 purple, green, purple.
1: Emerald. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. No, I know, I know, it's not really. I'm saying that. I'm, I'm saying that. Uh, I think amber steel is more like it has controlling elements right of being able to um control the board and stuff like that with your tanks you grab your swords and stuff like that like oh, okay, okay. like I think what makes it super good is like I feel like your only problem is maybe a Cusco, but by the time they get to their Cusco, I think you, you you've done so much by playing wheel steel by you know developing you do one into two into your aerial once you kind of get your aerial engine going and you have a few smashes or whatever i feel like you, you kind of just get there right the whole idea of emerald uh amethyst is you just quest 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 quest. and if you can't get there on time you can't win right so if you mm-hmm. if they start clearing your board i, I think it's just over that, so that's my yeah uh, I, would, I would push back on
0: one thing i think that the whole idea of emerald is that you quest quest, quest. But the idea of adding amethyst in is that you are an aggro deck that has access to card draw but card draw mm-hmm. sucks yeah. against card draw is not good against a deck that can cast whole new world on turn three it's yep. not <laughs> you, yeah, because the more cards you draw, the more equity your opponent has to play whole new world, and they get card advantage off that card, and you don't. So, Emerald Amethyst is kind of one of the worst combinations you could possibly have. It seems like, at least from a archetype standpoint, into something like Wheel Steel, because the card draw, which is the whole reason you're playing Amethyst, doesn't actually help you. And Emerald is just a is just a color that is inherently soft to AOE board removal, right? And just like
1: targeted board removal at that, especially if it comes cheap. So. Yeah, that's is that why you think uh, is that why you think these these few amber sapphire and even the one uh, amber or sorry emerald sapphire deck that we saw here do you think that's why they probably made it into top eight and top sixteen because they fare better as a cooler combination to emerald right like is sapphire better than amethyst in that situation because you tend to be ramping so even if you mm-hmm. do get a big hand you can start play, playing big threats so th- what I think what I think happens is it's also about its matchup into
0: uh, wheel steel. Mm. but if you're if you're looking for an aggro deck to play into ruby amethyst uh, for some reason the narrative there has been a narrative that emerald amethyst emerald amethyst is like a good aggro deck into that. and i just don't think so i think that ruby amethyst is just a very very powerful deck and the only way you can beat that deck is by doing inherently unfair things like mm-hmm. something that is very unfair in lorcana is turn 3 whole new world turn or stitch yeah, sure, st- sure. stitch rockstar, draw half your deck it mm-hmm. like that is what those are the kind of things you have to do to beat ruby amethyst there is an outlier and the outlier is emerald emerald uh emerald sapphire and the reason it's an outlier is because those two colors are just like built to counter most of ruby amethyst they have ward on them they quest for a crap load you have access to not in this list but a lot of times eye of the fates like that those things are hard for ruby amethyst to deal with and that color combination while good into ruby amethyst is an outlier because it's it can be pretty soft to the rest of the field. So it's like you're very much committing to trying to beat Ruby Amethyst when you play something like an Emerald, an Emerald Sapphire. That being said, like, I just don't think that, I don't think that Amethyst Emerald is a good like a better aggro deck in the ruby amethyst like there's almost no reason to have the access to the uh the amethyst part right the emerald is the powerful part of your deck and if you're trying to go uh if you're trying to compete on card advantage and card quality especially as we go into the mid to late game against ruby amethyst it's just not where you want to be Mm -hmm. Um, i think that maybe in the aggro mirror maybe in like the old school sort of aggro versus mid-range uh amber steel or just aggro mirrors whatever color you want having access to the card draw could be helpful but ultimately the card the fundamentals the card draw is bad versus wheel steel bad versus um it's just not very helpful against a deck that's playing whole new world and you're by adding amethyst into your deck maybe you're just not fast enough to beat Ruby with ruby amethyst and if ruby amethyst gets to turn six turn seven you know seven ink they will just absolutely destroy you on card quality. They're the best cards in the game. So that's, that's sort of my theory. But interesting to see that that we had a deck, the third most played deck, have a, such a bad showing overall.
1: For sure. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to talking about uh, the announced like update for competitive play and OP and stuff like that, I want to just draw your attention, Brendan, to the very last deck of this article. And it is a Amber Sapphire deck. <laughs> and it has both... Well, I mainly want to say it's pretty cool. My guy has four enchanted uh, mm. uh, surfer stitches, which is insane. But uh, I know you 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 talked a little bit earlier, or I think you might have just mentioned to me the whole idea of Maximus in uh, in these amber decks. What are your thoughts on on both the bodyguard Maximus and I know we already touched on the smaller Max because it's actually quite good for Rapunzel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, the bodyguard Maximus, <clears throat> I had never seen it in uh, in Amber Sapphire until this weekend. So we're mm-hmm. about to hop over to the TCG Player Invitational, and uh, spoilers amber uh amber sapphire actually won that tournament <laughs> and it put and i think it was two two decks in top four as well so yep yeah performed very well there that was an invitational so 16 players obviously smaller field but one of my thoughts on maximus bodyguard uh mm. it's interesting because you the idea about this is you're playing it uh before it's a five cost right before turn yep. five so you're playing it on turn four by playing mickey mickey mouse um And yeah, I guess I'm assuming that's more of like an anti-aggro thing. I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if Maximus is like a anti-control card because it gets cleared by Rafiki, right? It gets two Mm -hmm. for one done Rafiki on board, but maybe just the reason that card is in the deck is to give this deck more, more of a chance against some of those hyper-aggressive decks or those wheel steel decks. I'm assuming, my biggest question is, does, does Amber, does Amber Sapphire have a good matchup into wheel steel? I would say no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting, right? Because as we move over to this uh TCG player tournament, we can see that uh Amber Sapphire won the tournament and in the second place we have a, a wheel steel deck. So yeah, I'd be very curious to see how that matchup goes. Honestly. I mean, I think it's it's a little bit better in terms of like once once they do their whole new world, uh you know, if it's not I mean, listen, if it's on the turn turn three thing, then it's just like, well, wow, they, they've done their their combo. That's like the best start they can have. Um, but generally if you can get a few uh, of your RAM cards down, like your Mickey Mouse and your Kramatala and stuff like that. It's probably not as bad. I'm also a big fan of the Mr. Shmi. I, I love that card in in uh, Amber Sapphire. I think it just works really well with Rapunzel and, and, and stuff like that. Just having a 2-5 for three I think is super good. But the one jump ahead, I haven't seen that card in in many Amber Sapphires at all. So uh, yeah, it's a very interesting list that we see. Yeah, this is from, uh, from Harlan.
0: Yeah, uh, so we're hopping over the TCG Player Invitational yep. now. So Harlan uh, Fire, I think that's how you say their last mm-hmm. name won the entire tournament and i would say this is the most innovative list out of the weekend this is the most atypical list out of the entire weekend <clears throat> i've not seen a um, amber sapphire list that both runs four punzels as well as two maximus bodyguards with the three mr smees uh like you said one jump ahead is a card that i've seen in these lists i've seen it played um the list that i played against the most actually had it in the deck but having access to well, like stitch, like it has two stitch rockstar as well that's that's extreme mm-hmm. i've never seen that card in this list it's always been stitch carefree surfer as the top end <clears throat> but because it has access to four of four stitch maybe that's just enough it also has the anti-control package in case in th- like a entire four copies of hades the recursive hades that's a lot i usually only mm-hmm. see three but the biggest call outs for me are uh four bell and four maximus Bell is a card that, you know, we saw in a lot of Sapphire decks initially, but starting to make its way out uh, because those Sapphire ramp strategies, or at least the Sapphire steel ones, were were not so good. And people were opting to cut Bell to go for a more mid-rangey, sort of like actually try to compete on board kind of deck because Bell... Well, you know, obviously once you're at, you're at 10 ink quest for five mm-hmm. and it can be this win, this win condition. But I think that this, this deck initially was struggling to sort of maintain parity on board, compete in creature combat, etc. cetera. But this, if we're looking at, you know, retrospective on the weekend, what is the biggest shakeup to the meta? I think everything we expected except this list. I was not, I would, when I was shown this list for the first time, I was actually very surprised that this was, this was the winner of the tournament. This is definitely uh pretty innovative. This is a new list.
1: Yeah. Definitely, uh, and as we can see, I believe, yeah, this is uh, so Mason Clark, who was in, I believe, got third place. Very few differences between the first place list and the the third place list. I think, as far as I'm aware, there's just no Maximus bodyguards. There's probably just more copies of the other cards within the deck. Yeah, that's, I, that's I assume
0: these players tested together. To be honest, uh, yeah. I believe they're both both Magic players i mean mm-hmm. a lot of players in this tournament were magic players i uh, could be wrong but you can see you can see card choices that look like they tested together like the two stitch carefree surfer three one Up ahead a lot of there's a lot of parity in terms of the actual uh, card numbers like four hades i would be surprised if these players um you know test to complete independently of each other i'm assuming that the maximus is the same reason for hitting maximus in the last list which is just to give you more equity versus aggro and protect mm-hmm. your bell um Let's talk about the other list that made it into the top four here. So both were wheel steel. So no uh, ruby amethyst making it into the top four. The TCG TCGV player invitational, and both uh, amber uh, amber steel lists were wheel steel decks, and they are actually mirror lists
1: almost i'm trying so i'm just no re- no lantern in the uh in frank's list that's frank very
0: Karsten. interesting that frank carsten. oh sorry
1: no there is there is yeah, yeah, there yeah. is a lantern Yeah, in i was gonna say yeah. frank yeah.
0: Karsten opting to opting <laughs> to uh, take out the Manor rock would be interesting so uh lantern is an interesting card because he only has one it, you know there, there's been cards that have been like that have been created like that in magic and they were very very powerful <laughs> very very powerful and i think that they have been printed for a while but yeah don uh don De, deloiger and mm-hmm. frank carsten both Making the top four with with wheel steel, um, adding that one Maximus in as well. But the lists are not exactly the same, but they are pretty similar, and they're actually very similar to the list that we saw uh, in that PPG Miami. So, yep, I would say my my big takeaway uh, when we were talked about from this weekend is. Uh, these these Amber Sapphire lists, they're innovative. They're new. I would definitely give them a try. If you're looking for a new deck to pick up after the weekend, um, after the results of the weekend, and you want to make a results-based decision, definitely give a shot. Uh, give this Amber Sapphire deck a shot. And I think right now we can sort of close the book on chapter one and wheel steel is the best deck. Yep. Would you agree with that? I have to
1: agree there. I would 100% agree. I think it was a very close ride. And it's so funny, right? We talked about how well, ba- like, um, how balanced the game was. Uh, All chapter one, right, and it was pretty much like, oh, is it amber steel? Is it ruby amethyst? Is it amber steel? Is it ruby amethyst? And I think from Miami, we can see that it was very like uh, clear cut in terms of like, well, what do we say? Both were twenty eight percent, but mm-hmm. yeah, I do, I do have to agree. I think that wheel steel just edges it out. Um, if you're saying what is the best li- list right now, I think it is wheel steel.
0: So the reason why I like amber steel and then the newest iteration of it is that it, it, we saw amber steel be the most popular deck at one point, not playing a whole new world. But it was like mm. this mid-range deck. It was very good at combat. Very good at clearing things. It was decent at card advantage, right? It played all the aerials, um, et cetera. It was like playing cards that replace themselves. It was you know, it was being very fair. This deck is the antithesis of fair. This deck says, what is the most busted thing that that Steel can do? Or what's the most busted thing you can do in Lorcano? Whole New World. Whole New World is yeah. by far the most broken card. If you're looking at... We're going look if you're looking at, okay, the next year of Lorcana, what card is the most most likely to be banned? 1,000. 2 million percent it's whole new world i would be surprised if whole new world makes it 12 months in this game especially once competitive comes out it's not broken yet it's just very powerful but by far i mean this card was this card is a absolute mirror uh it is a carbon copy of a card that has existed in magic the gathering uh it costs a little bit more like five is more expensive because wheel of fortune costs three but you can you're casting it on three on turn three for free that is broken. So I think yeah. that these people looked at the metagame. They looked at steel and they said, "What is?" Or they looked at Lord What is the most broken card? All right. How do we do that? And how do we do that in the most unfair way possible? And that is playing this on turn three for fury. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> this is this is the true. I think that this is going to be the true best deck of the format in the end because it, it just looked at the card pool. So what's the most unfair thing we can do? How fast can we do it? And how can we exploit the most? And I think the Stitch, Stitch Rockstar as well is one of the most unfair things you can do in Lorcana, right? I can play this thing. I can shift it out on turn three. If I've lanterned for turn four and then all my one drops just replace themselves. That's insane. Um, so those two cards in combination, Ariel, also very, very good card are just are crazy and rapunzel rapunzel not very good against ruby amethyst i'll be honest but against everything else rapunzel's come down draw three like draw three cards so yeah this list it just kind of does it all to be honest and it has this list definitely amber steel wheel steel has a sequence of cards that it can play turn one two and three that is almost unbeatable like if they like the math on it is not great but captain hook lantern ink every card slash play every card in my hand, shift <laughs> shift Captain Hook out. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry, I have a little bit of cough. And then play Whole New World. That is so wildly unfair and powerful. There's almost not many decks are going to be able to keep up with that draw specifically. That is a game-winning hand in Lorcana.
1: Yep, 100%. All right, cool. me me really excited for uh, what we're going to talk about next, which is uh, OP, more updates for competitive play in Lorcana. Moving into... Uh, let me pull up the tweet here, but I believe it's Q2 of 2024 is when they're slated to start and we're gonna dive deeper into more uh, official competitive events. Which All is right, nice. so
0: tell, tell us what they exactly. Read it out. Read out the exact quote of
1: what they said in regards to organized play. Let me pull it up now, my friend.
0: Because this is, the devil's gonna be in the details with this one.
1: Yeah, one thing I actually want to note before is uh, they did give us an update about reprints, which is gonna be great for uh, everyone in. Well, everyone all around the world, but particularly in the U.S., because you know stock is, is pretty low. And this is the reprint of the first chapter boosters and starters has moved up and will begin shipping mid-November in North America. We hope that this reprint quantity will make the game more readily available. Our goal is for fans to have no difficulty finding product to get started. Okay, so moving on to the competitive stuff, we have um, next we want to announce that starting in Q2 2024, we will have both official fan events and an official competitive circuit. Fan events will be a way for Disney fans to come together to share their love of Disney L'Orcana, even if they may not necessarily play the game. That's whatever. In, Wait, in what, does
0: that oh, okay. what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean, actually?
1: Is, 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 is that? Do you think that's more so focused about how, the, how they were doing this whole pin system? Like you know it was like oh dress up as your favorite disney character and win a pin or whatever i mean like yeah. that's fine for like the, i guess they're trying to appeal to like the, the the true disney fans if that makes sense but personally i don't, I don't care about that at all yeah let us uh, let us I'd, I'd know in the comments how many you think yeah. that
0: is because that that is an elusive statement to me we, yeah, we want yeah. we want to create events for people to come to and enjoy and what did it even say even if that they don't, don't play, play the game, the game? yeah it,
1: it says it said even if they may not necessarily play the game huh
0: yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just like, what could that possibly mean? Maybe, I, yeah. okay, so if I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and if I'm going to be optimistic, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> that means like events centered around that may be located in or
1: somewhat near to like the Disney parks or something like that. I mean, I, I'd be kind of down for that, but it still says like, it's just it's just a weird mix, right? Like I can't, I, I personally can't imagine your casual or yeah. even your hardcore Disney fan who has all the Mickey ears and all the bags and everything? Just rocks up to like this uber competitive like. Well, uh, I don't know, think they would be competing. To, yeah, it'd be
0: participating. No, no, I, I i
1: agree. But like trying to mash those things together would be very funny, right? Like My bring fa- those yeah. two groups of people together.
0: My favorite thing is that you just read that out and you're like, yeah, that just, uh, yeah, of course. And he's like, uh, wait, what? And I was like, what does yeah, that mean?
1: <laughs> What's Disney to me? I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm like, they can do what they want, realistically. Yeah. Um, so all I'm, right. I have no
0: i Yeah, I have no idea what that is. I'd love to hear from anybody <laughs> listening what you think those events what, do you think it what, is? what they mean by that because that i mean they yeah. always that wasn't a, they intentionally wrote that like what are they
1: alluding mm-hmm. to yeah uh all right next we have uh competitive events will be the premier place for disney lorkana tcg players to prove themselves you can also expect exclusives for each of these types of events and we will share more details in january 2024 so new year we're gonna have some more news so uh, they do also mention while we ha- let's pause uh mm-hmm.
0: so we can just break it down um so key words being used here, <clears throat> circuit. So circuit implies uh, multiple tournaments. Circuit also implies tournaments that allow you to qualify for bigger tournaments. Circuit's a big mm-hmm. word. Uh, it could be written by a, con- like a, this could have been written by an intern. It could have been written by their content creation person that maybe just uses whatever words they think is uh, interesting, exciting. But circuit is definitely a loaded word when it comes to competitive play, tournaments, etc. Means it's a one-off. It's not going to be a one-off. Um, circuit also implies like I mean they uh, so they said pro, um, what they said about the promos. I don't know if they said the word promo, but they're saying that you will uh, be able to get promos. Expect basically.
1: exclusives for each of these types of events. Yeah, so yeah. basically,
0: promos are show up to the event. So hopefully, it's not like One Piece TCG. One Piece TCG is a promo-based game, so they don't do cash prizes. It's just promos the top eight. That that system can be extremely lucrative in the beginning, but it is a bit ponzionomic and it tends to go down over time consistently has happened in Ponzionomic. Oh my God. I think God. that's a word Ponzionomics. I think that- Breaking yeah, Ponzi- the words today. I could, be, I could have just made that word up, but uh, <laughs> basically what I mean is that it can be very lucrative. Uh, that You can sell promos for a lot of money in the beginning, but just as a game matures and more promos are introduced into the market, the inherent value of promos goes down as well because promos are all based around exclusivity. Um, so it's just inherently flawed system in terms of compensating players. So I hope that they add, because it can be extremely lucrative. For instance, in Flesh and Blood, the first tournament that I top aided, um, the promo card that I got for top aiding, not winning the tournament, at one point was worth fifty thousand dollars, thirty to fifty thousand dollars. That's Crazy, insane, man. right? For yeah, that, that was a ten thousand dollar tournament. Nowadays, those promos are worth. I mean, some of those promos are worth uh, less than, like, the winning ones can be like, you know, maybe around a thousand, less than a thousand. The promos, mm-hmm. you, the door prize promos, can be like fifty bucks. It's just like as more promos come in and the market gets more saturated, it goes down. And Flush and butt is definitely not a promo based. Uh, compensation game in terms of the pro circuit. It, it's a million dollar pro circuit. There's a million dollar cash every single year. But in terms of like something like One Piece, they are just, just promos. So hopefully, Lorcana goes with the hybrid model of you show up to this event, there's participation promos, you get something exclusive, uh, cool for showing up. And uh, maybe they add top eight promos, but they also put cash incentive at the top as well. Because for me, it's hard to take a TCG seriously that only does promos uh in sure, terms of I, I players
1: yeah definitely and uh, they also note that while we have tournament guidelines and other policies live on the official disney Lorcana site we will provide regular updates as we align globally and take in feedback from our players to make competitive play the best experience we can so i assume that means they're going to be doing revised stuff probably like with the announcement in january of like you know we have rules, but here's like, you know, maybe judge program. Yeah, they, need, great, I think. No, they need a yeah. judge
0: program. They absolutely need mm-hmm. a judge program. They need a way to compensate judges. Unfortunately, I think that that system is going to be created ad hoc. I don't think they were planning to launch with it, but there is tons of precedent in the TCG industry for them to look towards and in, in terms of how to create a judge program, how to incentivize judges. It's very important. These events like major events, competitive events do not run without judges. Judges are some of them. They are key to events and you have to find a, like a system in which you can qualify them so that they can you know run these tournaments and have integrity but also that you, so you can compensate them because without them none of these tournaments exist so hopefully yeah they as can... i
1: was that's actually sorry to interrupt you that's actually a question as someone who hasn't really dived too deep into in-person competitive events like that so for judges mm-hmm. at events like this say it's an official disney World Canada event let's say it's the first one are judges compensated Please tell me they are. So it depends. Well, it
0: depends. um Usually, they're compensated in product. Sometimes they're compensated on cash as well. It depends on the game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, it's uh, a lot of it's product based. But what games will do is they'll make the. Do the <clears throat> I don't know about Magic. I'm talking about Flesh and Blood, and I know about like, a little bit about One Piece, and they will compensate the judges with product and exclusive promos. So at, they'll be like literally just judge promos that you can only get oh, from cool. judging. Uh, and yeah they can be quite lucrative at that but they'll give a lot of product i mean judging is definitely a it is not a very uh it is it is a selfless kind of a more selfless thing to do like if you want to go to an event judging is in general is going to be a minus ev thing to do you're also going to work extremely hard you'll be on your feet all day and people will probably not not treat you with as much respect as you deserve that is just how it sure. goes that is the unfortunate side of judging but that is why we are so appreciative of our judges in games is because it is a very thankless job um that being said uh yeah you'll mostly be minus ev slightly or you'll break. best case for most judging programs is that and it there's definitely different tiers you know like there are people that professionally judge games and fly across the world and they get compensated differently like the head judges but judging in general is more like you want to go to the event you want to be at the event you want to be around your friends you want to go out to this area but you don't necessarily want to play and have to sort of go through like yeah, I have it's to.
1: a lot of it's a lot of commitment it's actually probably more commitment than actually sh- well it is than showing up and playing right yeah you, show also, up and play, you have fun you do but like as a judge you're there all it's, a day. Lo- it's
0: a lot of responsibility too mm-hmm. um yeah. It's like, it's, it's key to the game, but ultimately the, the value proposition of judging is that usually, I mean, the idea is that you're compensated enough that you can go to these events and at least break even. Um, but I mean, you're breaking <laughs> some, you got to think about that because sometimes you're breaking even for literally standing on your feet for 12 to 13 hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not gonna be honest. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to sit up here and, uh, pre- like pre- say, a some virtue stuff but base i think i treat judges with as much as much respect as i possibly can and you can hear how much reverence i have for them and how i speak about them but i would if you're looking at judging not only will you be on your feet all day but i you know you'll definitely deal with players that won't treat you with as much respect as they probably should i mean judging is it like most of the time when a judge is called or not most time but sometimes a judge is called like it's a very it's a very stressful and, and controversial scenario. Like people are trying to resolve sort of nuanced rules of the game mm-hmm. and the, the game can often, can sometimes hinge on that decision. So it's a tough job, bro. I would never do it. <laughs> I would never judge. I would never do it. I thought about doing it, um, a long time ago, but it is, uh, it's probably one of the hardest it things you can tough. do in TCGs, yeah. but some people love it. And mm-hmm. those are the people that we need for these events to work out. So yeah, zooming back uh, to wakana they need a judge program um, and they need one. that not only a way for judges to progress. So level one judge, level two judge, level three judge, head judges, et cetera, but they also need a way to compensate them so that they're mm-hmm. incentivized to go to these events.
1: Yeah, uh, and then the last thing I want to touch on, it's really not that important, but uh, they're changing promo cards uh, a little bit. So they just said, last year we've recently announced a change to convention promos. Going forward, convention promos will no longer have the logo of the convention on them, but there will be three new cards available for each set with a promo icon in the rarity spot. So it looks like that it's basically the same promo icon that you get if you win them at your local. like the little, I don't know, like the, I don't even know how to describe the symbol. Yeah. It's just like kind of two two triangles facing two triangle right. things yeah yeah so
0: yeah no surprise this is probably the plan the entire time they're just clarifying it the idea of that they were going to put like random con on there every time probably yeah, was yeah. they probably were never intending to do that and they're like okay here we're clarifying this um all right kawa i'm going to ask you a question now mm-hmm. uh Competitive circuit starting Q2 2024. What does that look? What is it? What does that mean? What is a competitive circuit? What is How much money are they going to put up? What kind of tournaments are they going to be? What like what levels of tournaments? Is it going to be a world championship? They're going to be national championships. Where are these tournaments going to be located? Just just tell me what goes through your mind as a person that maybe hasn't uh spent as much time in in that sort of I don't know world quite yet the the paper sure. TCG con world and tournament world. Sure.
1: uh it gets me excited. Uh, I have to say that with the popularity of the game at the moment, like, I think the game is very popular, but it's also maybe a little bit hard to to judge based on there was very little product to give out at, at the start anyways, right? So, like, you're trying to judge, okay, how, how popular is the game really? If there was, let's, let's say there was, like, endless stock or whatever, okay? How much actually gets sold? How many players are, like, really interested in playing competitively and stuff like that? Although, for the most part, I do think that players who want to play this game competitively have found their way to get product, right? I feel like that's going to be the case for, most. For, you know, if, if they want to actually play the game, they will pay the price, or they will get the cards or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that with the, popular, the popularity that we've seen of the game so far, that it does take off. In terms of pricing, support or, like, where these events are, like, you're asking me, but, like, obviously you would have the experience, right? Like, I'm sure you're going to tell me, like, there's probably been games that, like, I, I assume there have been games that have absolutely fucked up the start of their you know competitive most
0: games yeah
1: yeah most games okay so this is probably why you asked me it's like what do i expect compared i will put my expectation my expectations very low because i mean why why try and be like oh my god there's gonna be a million dollar circuit i think mm-hmm. although it is disney so like i would hope there's a lot of money but then it's like how much money are they actually going to commit to is this, it disney like, or
0: is it Ravensburger? I don't even know. In terms of like who puts up. Well, I don't. I don't,
1: know, I don't know. I don't have no idea for. I, I'm wanna, just saying because I want to clarify yeah,
0: though that they're they're actually. I'm not looking for you to give me the right answer. I'm just actually hmm. interested to hear what goes through your head. Or what goes through your mind when you read that? Because they were not specific.
1: <laughs> uh, I would assume. Okay, let's just say it starts in Q two, twenty twenty four. Let's say there's a few tournaments. I mean. For me, I would love. I don't know if I sh- if I should say I would expect it, but I would love like a big tournament at the end of the year. I would In love. I year. would love that type of thing, right? So like they do a few qualifiers, leads up to a big tournament towards the end of the year, maybe the start of the new year. Um, I think I think I would be quite happy with that if there's just uh, regionals, and then I guess nationals and then worlds. I think that would be be interesting. But yeah, now I want to know your take. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really curious.
0: Uh, honestly, I don't know. It's, it's can mean so many different things with what they said. And I think that they, they worded it that way to keep it very open-ended. Of course. Um, My hope is that they, they contract with a company like SEG um, or Channel Fireball. So, SEG and Channel Fireball. So, like, the SEG was hosting the Flesh and Blood tournament this weekend, but SEG has, has, has changed. And maybe they've been like this for a while. Magic players listening could, could correct me, but they've changed to a model where SEG now has a magic tournament, a Flesh and Blood tournament, and whatever card game wants to be there. It seems like uh, in that convention. So, this weekend was Flesh and Blood. It was Magic. But it was also My Hero Academia, which is a game I have no knowledge about, had a big tournament there. So I can easily see a slot in with Disney Lorcana. SEG, I mean, SEG is an interesting company. So if SEG writes any content about Lorcana on their website, it leads me to think that they are talking to them. Because I just... okay. SEG has done a little bit with Fab, and I don't know, I have a bit of insider knowledge on Flesh and Blood and their relationship with SEG. Uh, just as a result of... Talking to Legendary Studio, whatever it leads me to think they've been talking, and that would be the easiest thing. What SEG offers to a company like Ravensburger is one-stop shop, packaged up. We will make, we will put you in our tournament circuit, and we will make it all happen. Like they can do, they can do uh, basically one-click coverage. Like SEG could can do coverage for them. It's very expensive, but and they can run the tournament. SCG is fantastic at running tournaments if 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 we're able to provide judges through a judge program. Like it, it is just the modern way TCG tournaments work. And I would not be surprised to see Ravensburger do a deal with something like SCG and see those tournaments at these sort of SCG cons, I guess, which is, you know, it's called the different things. Like this weekend for Flesh and Blood is the Flesh and Blood calling Dallas for Worth. For magic, it was, I don't even know what they called it. The Magic I don't know, standard maybe. I can't remember what tournament, but yeah, like a 10K or a 20K. And then there was also My Hero Academia tournament. Looks like SEG is expanding into a company that will be able to host multiple card games under this under this sort of umbrella. Because the, these these contracts that they do with the convention centers, I believe, um, and I have a little bit of knowledge. So <laughs> caveat, I like it. I, you know, just forewarning could be talking slightly out of mass. The contracts that they do with the convention centers, they're like multi-year contracts. So they like, that's why you always see SEG and so like the CFB, they're always in the same sort of area. And what I understand is when they, when they make those deals with those convention centers that they're multi-year deals. Um, But anyway, that's, that's what I see. I want to say that I know a lot of people, a lot of competitive card game players that have specifically not played Lorcana and not given it at the time of the day because it didn't have a competitive circuit. And I know there's people listening to this and be like, we don't want those people in our game anyway. Well, they're not bad people. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. But, you know, a, a TCG coming out in 2023, 2024, when there's a million games coming out without competitive play, is pretty hard to take seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think now that, and now that, the uh, Ravensburg is showing that they have a desire to do a competitive circuit. There's going to be a lot more players coming in because it was a double whammy, right? Basically, they came out and they said, "Hey, there's no, there's basically no future for this game. It's always going to be casual. There's no competitive scene." And then it was also a thousand dollars to two thousand dollars to buy in, so it was a pretty hard sell, to be honest. <laughs> like you had to basically just sell on gameplay. So with both of those things being fixed, one with one with reprints and the other with uh, a competitive circuit, you're going to see a lot more players and especially. A lot more competitive players, players that like going to tournaments coming into to Disney O'Connor, which I think is is only a good thing.
1: Yep, I have to agree with you there one hundred percent.
0: Sweet. Well, we're gonna save uh, we're gonna save spoilers for next week. We'll we'll try to get a guest. Um, we'll see if we can get Kawa on a on a nice card. Get him on. My-
1: oh man, <laughs> this again. I was telling Sasha this is your favorite thing to do. I, I want to get Sasha you nice. on a card once. Yeah, I got I gotta get you on a card. i gotta yeah. like Brandon, what do you think? I gotta get you to actually. I, I want to hold you to what you said, uh, mm-hmm. which will probably be true, but anyways, you said in a year from now, a whole new world would be banned in Lorcana. I'm going to mark down the date. Most
0: likely card to be banned. It would be the, so far, with all the cards that's Lorcana, uh I, yeah, I would put my money to be the first card banned. I think it's the, hot, the most likely to be banned.
1: Fair, fair, okay. fair. What?
0: Um, I got to think about, what is, what, is, what is the card that Kava thinks would be banned out of chapter one?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'd probably agree with you. I don't. I don't think it's a bad statement. I (laughs) just think it'll be. I just want to hold you to something and then you'd be wrong. That's (laughs) that's all. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it it makes sense, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you said, right? I think it is the most broken thing you can do in the game at the moment. So it makes sense for it to be uh, the thing that's uh, shut down. But Mm -hmm. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. uh, Sorry, I just had a tangent. I was thinking about lists, right? When you said that, I just want to note that a lot of these uh, ruby amethyst lists uh, they were Mm -hmm. not. They're running one cauldron or zero cauldrons, um, which is really interesting because I know Moyne and I were talking about like, is cauldron so powerful that you need to put multiple in? Obviously, it's a redundant card. You don't want to on the battlefield, but the idea is after you have to get the first one, you always opt the second one to the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. I know some players have been experimenting with that, but didn't, we didn't see it sort of percolate to the top. Just something to note because it's such a, there's definitely a dichotomy of ideas when it comes to cauldron or no cauldron. So cool to see that. Anyway, big week of news, huge week for Larkana, to be honest. This is it's yeah. awesome to see. I'm super happy the grassroots tournament has tournament scene has been flourishing. If you went to Miami, if you competed in any of these tournaments, uh, uh, let, let us, us know. Please. Yeah, let us know. Mm-hmm. Let us know how your experience was, how the tournament is run, etc. Um, honestly, would just love to hear anything about the weekend. And then, yeah, boom, Ravensburger, Ravensburger is uh Disney, whatever you want to call them, Lorcana looks like they're they're they want to compete looks like they want to compete in the modern TCG market um, Lorcana was initially pitched this very casual game uh, you know it's in big box retailers, no OP none of that like and then the the league system but looks like you know as we head into 2024 they're like boom we're doing a we're doing a circuit we're getting reprints out we're gonna get cards to people and who knows I think that Lorcana, Due to its rule set, due to its intellectual property, and uh, its an- how analog it is to a game like Magic: The Gathering, has a lot of potential in the in the competitive scene for mass adoption to compete with those those big three, which is Yu Gi Oh, Pokemon, and Magic: The Gathering. So exciting twenty
1: twenty four to come.
0: Anything to close out with uh, for the week call? Uh,
1: yeah, I just want to say really excited leading up to floodborne A lot of new cards, like Brandon said, we'll probably cover a lot of them next week. Let us know down below uh, what's been your favorite card that's been spoiled so far, because I would love to discuss that on uh, on next week's episode. Uh, and then the final thing I want to talk about is uh, myself and Raven, we actually just dropped our finals for our Cusco Cup. We've been experimenting, trying to do kind of like uh, what would casting Norcana look like on Pixelborn, so, uh, you know, give give that a look if you want. Uh, it was only a four-player tournament, but it was pretty interesting. Um, Who
0: ended up so- winning? Was it Specy?
1: Do you have to wait? Do you have to watch oh, the video. Oh yeah! yeah. Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> that was like the worst question possible. <laughs> it was like, "Hey, go check out this video." Hey, keep spoiler for us. Who <laughs> wins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this one uh, though. It
1: was one. Yeah, keen to right. see
0: the list. All right. Um, for Twitter it's apg at KawaTech underscore CG. Uh, video version of this at YouTube at youtube.com uh, slash podcana. Like I said, all the, all, everything you need is in the description below. Check it out. I um, wasn't able to get decade images because these are not in uh, Dreamboard dream board quite yet. So just check out these articles. They're very robust. They have everything you need to sort of follow along. Um, yeah. And until next week, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you all so much for listening.